that truly matters at the end of the day because the only thing that really matters is how you see yourself. How you see yourself. How you see yourself. afternoon. It is a hump day and thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us on this hump day. Thank God it is a hump day. That means the weekend is coming. Glory hallelujah for the weekend. How does TGIF go? TGIF. Thank God it is Friday. Thank God it's every day. But we're going to have a great conversation this afternoon. Thank you for joining us. We've got some great friends on this afternoon, and I'm so glad that you're here with us. Remember, if you've got something that you want to say to us, if you want to put something in the chat, you can do so by dialing 682-710-1101, 682-710-1101. You can also get us at itrnradio.com. This is going to be a great show. We've got Mr. Wendell Robinson from the Employee Retention Credit Program, who's got some information for us. He's going to fill us up with all that information, and we're also going to introduce to you a new addition to the ITRN family, and that is Rita Smith. We've got a great lineup for you this afternoon, as we do. And as you know what I say, stick and stay, don't go away. This is where we talk to you, for you, with you, and about you, and it is all good. And one thing I have to say before we get started, it is cold, colder than a well digger's bucket. I am freezing. I'm always cold, but it is extra spicy cold today, and it's going to get colder. Wendell, you're in L.A., you may say it's it's nice outside, but I say it is frozen outside. It is so cold. My hands are freezing. I don't know what to do with my feet because it's so cold. But you know what? If I had my druthers, it's whatever God gives me. So I am not complaining. I'm just saying it is cold. Right, Wendell? Um. It's yep. chilly. It's chilly. <laughs> See, chilly. it's chilly. Well, you know what? Rita is in Virginia, and it's cold in Virginia <laughs> right now. And it is, she's going to get snow. We probably won't. Now, you're right. talking about the water shortage here. I think they need to leave that stuff alone because as soon as they start talking about the water shortage, well, one of those things is going to blow up. And it will be spewing water 400 feet in the air. And they're going to talk about the water shortage. But that thing that's underground is so old and they won't change them until one of them tanks. And then they have to. Come on, people. Really? Come on. So it's cold. But the other thing, and Rita, I don't know if you're dealing with this, but right here in California, we're hearing that the COVID numbers are going up. And uh, I just left downtown LA, LAUSD, and there were 16 people in the building 
who have tested positive, confirmed cases. That's too many. That is too many. And my boss knows I ain't playing with you. I'm out. If it gets to be any more, see you. Bye-bye. You know where to reach me. I'm not playing. I'm not playing. But in any case, that's another conversation that we're going to have on another day. I'm anxious to hear what Window has to talk about with the employee retention credit. Folks, this is something that you really need to know about. Employee retention credit. There's money out there for small businesses, any size business, to they, this money is a, a non-repayment uh, program. And this money is about retaining your employees, those who suffered during 2020 and 2021. You have a way to recover, and it's through the employee retention program. And before I splice it up, dice it up, and mess it up, I'm going to turn this over to Wendell Robinson from ERC, from from Jorn, is it Jorn? Uh, it's Jorns and Associates. Jorn and Associates, yes. Mm -hmm. So Wendell, you take over before I splice it up, dice it up, and mess it up. You take over Mr. Wendell Robinson, have at it. Tell us about the program. Thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's great to be here. Uh, so yes, uh, let's talk about the employee retention credit. Um, first, let me say I'm not actually um, with Jorans and Associates. Uh, I am a independent uh, agent. I'm actually uh, with SNAP Financial. Um, so we are partnered with Jorans. Um, Jorans and Associates, they are the experts in the ERC space. Um, so what ERC is, again, it's an employee retention credit. And it's really a way to reward businesses that kept employees on the books during COVID. Um, so this is a way that the government has uh, chosen to basically reward those businesses that kept employees hired during COVID um, and continue to pay their wages or provided healthcare coverage. Um, so this is a program that allows businesses to recoup up to $26,000 per W-2 employee. I'm, per employee? Yes, $26,000 per employee is available for, for those businesses that kept employees on the books. Per employee? Yes, W-2 employees. So you can't be a 1099, but per W-2 employee. Per employee? Yes. Say it again, per employee? Yes, per employee, exactly. Um, so there, there is a criteria that, uh, of course, the business would have to meet in order to be able to get that tax credit, but many businesses will qualify. Yes. Um, this, this program is designed for small to medium-sized businesses. So uh, businesses from in 2020, the employee retention credit is for businesses that have 100 or fewer employees. And for 2021, is for businesses that have 500 or fewer employees. 
So wait a minute. A hundred employees or less mm-hmm. at $26,000 per employee. I cannot do the math. So do that for me. Yes. I mean, it's, it, it's a, it could be a substantial amount of money. Absolutely. And this is money that this is not a loan. Um, the funds are not earmarked like the PPP loan program. Those funds have to be used specifically uh, for, for payroll. These funds are not earmarked. So business owners can use the funds at their discretion, however they want to. Um, and it's not, um, it, it's not, uh, it's not a new house, new car, new bling bling. What? However they want to use it. Exactly. Get out of here. Yes. So, so Wendell, why don't more people know about this? Great question. Um, well, um, the, the, the ERC was created in the CARES Act legislation in March of 2020. That's the same legislation that created the PPP loan program. So when that happened, there was a lot of hoopla around the PPP loan program, rightfully so, because businesses needed that money and it was available to businesses. It was very easy to understand the PPP loan program. Banks were incentivized to write those loans because uh, banks paid $2,500 by the SBA for every loan that they wrote. And they knew that there was a strong likelihood that those loans would be forgiven. So the PPP loan program was uh, received a lot of media attention. It was highly publicized. So the ERC program at the time when the CARES Act legislation was passed, businesses had to choose to either do the PPP loan program or the ERC. So with all the media attention that the PPP loan program got, um, people didn't even know about the ERC. They didn't even know that this other option was available. And what happened was by the end of that year, in December of 2020, uh, the Consolidated Appropriations Act legislation was passed, and that legislation allowed businesses to do both. So no longer did they have to choose between the PPP and the ERC. Now they could do both. But that flew under the radar. Businesses didn't—they they really didn't know about the ERC program. It hasn't been until recently, I say, probably the fact of the last five or six months that there's been a lot of um, you know, media attention and publicity around ERC. But up until that point, many businesses didn't even know anything about it. Well, I'm, I'm really shocked because people that should have never gotten money, and I was just having this conversation on the way here, Tom Brady, uh, the other one that got $100 million, uh, several people, the Lakers, the Dodgers, They all got COVID money. And it amazes me that that was even an issue. It simply amazes me that the check could have even, how do you write a check to the Lakers and the Dodgers? I mean, come on, really? Really? So it amazes me that that took place. And and people dispute it, or I'm sorry, they don't dispute it, but they minimize it by saying, well, they returned it. I don't give a ding dang if they did return. 
there never should have been a check written to any of those people, never, ever. But to have the PP, the PPP money and this money, businesses didn't have to go out. They didn't have to go out. They just right. didn't know what else to do. Right, exactly. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, so often information does not get to where it's needed the most. Yes. So um, businesses suffered unnecessarily and, you know, some of them didn't survive, uh, unfortunately. And uh, this, this, this money could have been, um, you know, made the difference yes. between, you know, going out of business and, and keeping the business going. Yes, that would have made a big difference, a big difference. And unfortunately, people that should have gotten money didn't get any money. People that didn't need a nickel got much more. And it wasn't distributed evenly, which is a horrible, horrible thing. And that's typically what happens. The ones that need it the most don't get it, unfortunately. And we're living in a time when things are so unbalanced balanced and topsy-turvy that for people not to know about ERC, you have to ask yourself, why was it so undercover? And maybe in your space, it wasn't undercover. But for me and a few others, that was undercover. Mm -hmm. right. Okay. And I have an affiliation with an organization, the National Congress of Black Women. And several years ago, we were collaborating with the U.S. Department of Education. Well, we found out through several meetings that there are seven or eight regions that the individuals who work for the U.S. Department of Education they handle six, seven, eight regions in the country. Well, the guy that handled this region would come over and talk to us about what was going on with the U.S. Department of Education and what they were trying to do at that time. And that was give money away. So what people did not know about FAFSA was that anybody could get it. Anybody could get money to go to school. So at that time, they were on a campaign to give away money, get kids into college, get the FAFSA money, do this, do on and on and on. One of the things that stuck in my head was that the U.S. Department of Education gets $180 million every year. And I might be saying million and it could be billion. They get so much money every year, they never, ever, ever use all of it. They never use, whether it's million or billion, it doesn't matter. They never, ever use all of it. And what they don't do, which I found out then, is that unless there is a dire need for them to pound the pavement and let people know that this money is available and they need to apply for it, they do, they give it to schools and they, tell, they send the paperwork to schools and they tell schools and other organizations, nonprofit organizations, to get people to, to apply for FAFSA, fill out the FAFSA. But they never give them all of the right information. That money, that 180, whatever it is, if it does not get used, 
it makes a gigantic circle and it goes right back to Congress. It goes right back to Congress. And what does Congress do with it? Can I be vulgar? You might remember. They wipe certain things with it. Okay. They do, they buy uh, $10 ashtrays. Okay. They buy lunch at $100,000 a walk for 10 people. Okay. They do whatever they want to do with it. So the money never gets to the right people. It never gets to the right hands because the U.S. Department of Education did not use all of that money. So as far as Congress is concerned, you didn't need it. You didn't need it. So they take the money back and gladly go and do the things that are unheard of for most of us. And what people don't understand is that you may have to raise rocks. You may have to uncover something, but the money is out there. And it does not necessarily come in the form of a government subsidy. It comes in the form of the government giving you money for these reasons. They're not going to make a big deal about it. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. It's a see you bye. But for people like this to have gotten this money, and this is a non-repayment, this could have saved countless people. Absolutely. This could have saved countless people, and it still can. Yes. Yeah, there's still time. So how long is this money available? Uh, Yeah, great question. So for 2020, um, in in order to claim the ERC, uh, what businesses have to do is amend their 941 quarterly tax return. And they're able to do that for up to three years after it's been filed. So for 2020, that means they have up until April 15, 2024 to uh, file for 2020. For 2021, they have up until April 15, 2025. So they have a little time, but before you know it, it's going to be here. And, um, you know, the one thing I'll say is you want to do it sooner rather than later because, um, it's, it's going to take the IRS time to process these files. And um, right now, you know, it can be anywhere from, uh, you know, three to, you know, nine months before you know, businesses are getting their checks just because the IRS have to, has to do their due diligence and go through the files and process them. So the longer you wait, um, you know, that time can be extended. So you want to do it sooner rather than later. So the longer someone waits, the longer it's going to take. Yeah. Okay. So when someone gets this money, they under they get it with the understanding that there is no repayment. Exactly. There is no repayment and they can do whatever they want. Exactly. Buy bling, go buy, what's the name of that champagne? Whatever they want. They can yes. do that. And nobody will say anything to them. Exactly. Okay. Is the PPP money, is that money a repayment? Well, it, it is, but businesses are able to pl- apply for PPP forgiveness. Yeah. So um, 
many of them have and, and have had those loans forgiven, but it's a process. It's, it's, it's not, it's not automatic. Right. You have to, you know, apply for forgiveness. Okay. And the 26,000, is it 26,000 that they get, or is that up to 26,000? It's up to $26,000 per W-2 employee. Okay, so what determines whether or not they get 26 or 20 or two? Yeah, great question. Um, that's what the folks at Jorns and Associates do. They have to crunch the numbers. They have to look at the data. They have to look at the business, um, the data to see how COVID impacted the business. They have to look at the wages that were paid during that time period. So there's a lot that goes into it. So, um, you know, it's not a, uh, you know, like a, a, a quick and dry formula to determine how much a business is able to get. Um, on average, they have found that a business that has 27 full-time employees have been able to get about $525,000. So that doesn't mean every business with 27 full-time employees would get that. Some business with 27 full-time employees may get a lot less. They may get a lot more. And some may not even qualify. But this is just on average what they have right. found. So what is the criteria? What would qualify? What would disqualify? Um, so one thing, one of the, one of the criteria is a significant decline in gross receipts. So for that, for that test, um, that requires, so uh, 2019 is always the baseline year because we're going to be looking at what happened pre prior to COVID and we're going to compare that to what happened during COVID. So for 2019, for instance, we'll look at the first quarter of 2020, I'm um, sorry, first quarter of 2019, and we'll compare that to the first quarter of 2020. So let's say um, in 2019, in the first quarter, sales revenues were, let's say, 100,000. In 2020, sales revenues were uh, 70,000. In that instance, the significant decline in gross receipts requires in 2020, a 50% decline. So that business would not qualify because it, it they made 70,000 as as opposed to 100,000. So that was that's not a 50% decline. That's only a 30% decline. So it just depends. If on the other hand, there's also so that's that's one of the tests. And this is that's why one one, see, one of the things that happened during COVID was a lot of businesses actually made more money. So what a lot of CPAs, they, they have told their clients that, well, you would not qualify because you actually made more money. Um, but that's only one, that's only one of the criteria. Another criteria is if there was a impact on your business that was more than nominal, and nominal means 10% or more on a more than nominal portion of your business, again, 10% or more, then that business can qualify. This is probably getting, this is probably sounding very, you know, getting very complicated. I'm gonna try to keep it as simple as I can. Um, so let's say 
we're good. We're, we're geniuses. We, we can, we can get it all. <laughs> okay. Okay. Great. Great. So a more than nominal impact would be, let's say, um, a company that has um, a restaurant that has dine-in service, and they also have takeout, and they also have delivery. So let's say in 2019, the total sales for dine-in service in the first quarter was $100,000. Of that $100,000, let's say dine-in was 20, accounted for $20,000 of that $100,000, right? And, and so and, and dine in service dropped from 2019 to 2020. It dropped, uh, let's say it dropped 50%. So in that instance, that business could qualify because there was, there was a more than nominal effect. Remember, a nominal effect is 10% or more. So what, what I said in that example is dine in decreased 50%. So that's more than 10%, right? Okay. And dine in was a total of $20,000 in the first quarter of 2019. And the total sales in the first quarter of 2019 was $100,000. So that means dine in accounted for 20% of total sales. So again, that's more than a nominal portion of the business. That means that dine in was 20% of the business. So again, there's more than a nominal effect on a more than nominal portion of the business. So that restaurant could qualify. Okay, so they could qualify. So yeah. they're not going to take the dine-in as opposed to the delivery as opposed to the, uh, it was dine-in and takeout. Mm -hmm. So they, they would use the whole system. They would look at the total, the total revenues right. in, okay. from, from all parts, all segments of the business. Right. And okay. they will look to see, okay, was there an impact to any one of these segments that was more than nominal? And is this segment of the business a more than nominal portion of the business? Because the way that the IRS looks at it is if it's not a more than nominal, in other words, if this portion of the business does not account for at least 10% of the sales revenues, then it's not really that significant. Okay. So it has to be a more than nominal effect on a more than nominal portion of the business. Okay. So it, it just, and I know that every, every product like this has to have a way to determine who gets what. And everything is based on data. I, I get so irritated when I hear we have to look at the data. We've got to look at the numbers. We've got to look at this because I'm a firm believer and I've seen it more times than I care to. And that is for those people that live by numbers don't lie. That's a fact. Numbers don't lie. People do. And people are the ones that are generating the numbers. So my my point is that in dealing with the government, that is that is a very, very challenging, unforgiving process. Mm -hmm. It almost makes you feel like you don't want it. it it's it, it ain't worth it. it the stress mm -hmm. for a little bit of money. This could potentially be more money. However, when people decide that they want to go through the process, what if someone 
started their business in 2019. And they hired three people, which gives them now a total of five or six people on their payroll. They can't go all the way back to uh, the beginning of 2019. They can only go back so far. They were impacted in 2020, impacted in 21. Can that business still qualify in some way? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That business could still qualify. Um, a business could, could have started um, in 2020, and okay. they could qualify as a recovery startup. So there wouldn't be twenty nine. There wouldn't be twenty nineteen data to even look at in that case. But as a recovery startup, they could apply. They could still qualify. There's some different rules around that, but they still have an opportunity to get to get it, the uh, ERC credit back. Okay, and it has to be employee credit. Yes, employee W two employees, um, no ten ninety nine, and. So has to be employee. So there's no way around employees. So a business that does not pay employees couldn't do it. Unfortunately, no. Not after this program. Okay. But are there still other programs out there that people can look to or look for? Um, I mean, I, I, you know, the PPP loan program, uh, clearly, um, and I'm sure, you know, there's other funding available. Um, I am not, um, I'm not aware of anything right off the top of my head, but I think, you know, the SBA would probably be um, a good source to kind of go to to figure out what other options may be available. Um, but, you know, certainly the PPP loan program is, is you know, was, was a viable option for those businesses. Right. I don't know what the process is, and I don't know if um, I don't know what they're still doing with the PPP program. I haven't really yes. heard recently what they're doing with that program. But there was so much hype around it that right. it became: uh, Do I want to get involved with that? Do I? Because you know there were so many people that got money they went shopping okay got money and bought a house got money and did all kinds of things and they obviously did not know in dealing with the government the government gave you that shoe and the government will take that shoe from you. Right. the government is looking at you no matter what you are doing the government is looking at you and just waiting for you to mess up Right. Yeah. See, those PPP loan funds were earmarked, so you had to use those for those funds for things like payroll. Yeah. But with with the ERC, these funds are not earmarked, and I do understand your point about you know these government programs and IRS and kind of being timid intimidated by that. Um, Jorns and Associates they actually provide. Two things are, are a couple of things that really think ease the minds of uh, business owners when they file for the ERC. Number one, they offer uh, or they provide audit assistance for up to five years. 
So if you file through for the ERC through Jorns and Associates, um, they're going to provide audit support if the IRS were to come back to the small business and says, you know, we want to audit, uh, we want to audit your books for the ERC. Um, Jorns and Associates provide, provide up to five years of audit assistance. The mm. second thing they do is uh, for each engagement, they carry a million dollars E&O insurance, errors and omissions insurance. So if for some reason they made a mistake on the filing and it was a cost to the business, then they have a million dollar insurance protection that will be available for that business. So that's the second thing they do. The third thing they do is for each engagement, each business that gets qualified to receive the ERC, they're going to get a qualification report. That qualification report is going to be a very comprehensive, detailed report that explains exactly why they qualify. So that's the type of thing that you want in your hands when you uh, have to, uh, when you have an audit or when you're, you know, being questioned by the IRS, because that is a clear evidence of why the business qualifies to receive the ERC. Okay. And that's the employee retention credit. Yes. Yes. Okay. And you said that that process takes approximately three, three months to six months, three to nine months. Well, no, I was saying it takes, it could take, you know, you know, three months to, you know, nine months or longer to get the check back from the IRS. Okay. In order to apply for it, uh, you know, it may take, it just depends on how fast the business owner is able to submit the documents that are needed. But once those documents are submitted, it may take uh, a month to kind of go through all of the calculations and go through everything and, and, and let them know if they actually qualify and if so, how much for. So this is the federal government, right? Well, yeah, this is a this is the a federal government uh, program. I mean, it's the IRS. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. Those funds are actually sitting in the United States Treasury right now, okay. and um, you know, but it's an IRS program that the that was created through legislation, the CARES Act, and um, you know, this is something that I'll actually be doing a webinar on tomorrow to discuss it in a little bit more detail talking about the different ways businesses can qualify to receive the ERC. Um, but yes, it is a government program. So how many people are presently part of this program? Do you know? Uh, no, I, I don't know. I know, you know, businesses are, you know, there more and more businesses are learning about it and they're filing every day. Um, so, um, you know, this is, is becoming a little bit more, uh, is getting a little bit more no notoriety uh, behind it and media attention. But uh, it's, a, it's a program that's been, you know, very underutilized compared to the PPP loan program. Okay. And I've been involved with SBA. And I always feel like if there's a way around SBA, get around SBA. Because SBA can be very, very intimidating, very intimidating. 
And it is not for everybody. It just isn't. That's And that's my own opinion. That, and that's based on my previous experience. I have no idea if SBA has changed in any way. But uh, a number of years ago, it was it was very intimidating because they, they want to know everything up to and including what color are your socks. So I don't know if those practices have changed, but they get heavily into your personal life. And they do that for a little bit of money, for a little bit of money. So if somebody were going to go and apply for an SBA loan, it's really got to be worth it. It really needs to be worth it. But as I said earlier, with this ERC money and the money, the PPP money, it would seem as though businesses that were able to pivot or businesses that were able to sustain themselves, they should look out for this money. There has to be a way. And, and really, if you're, if you're a legitimate business, don't get the money and go buy stuff. Do not do that. Do not do that, especially when the money is earmarked. And too many people, too many people did that. There was one lady in the news who she bought a house. She bought, what else did she buy? She bought a house. She bought clothing. She bought all kinds of things. And I, I thought, are you serious? You don't think the government is watching you? They give you 10 cents. They're going to watch how you spend that 10 cents. And if you didn't spend it the right way, they're going to get you. Right. right. That's, that's the beauty of the ERC. Unlike the PPP, the ERC funds are not earmarked. So that, that's, that's the beauty of the ERC. It's, it really is like a, a way to just kind of reward you know, business owners that you know, did the right thing during this extremely difficult time and continue to you know, pay employees or provide health care coverage. Uh, it's just a way to kind of give them, you know, their just due and, and they're able to do whatever they want to do with those funds, unlike the PPP. Right, right. Well, in any case, I would love to see more businesses, Black businesses especially, take advantage of this. And as you mentioned, you are doing a webinar tomorrow. Have you had a decent reception on that? Um, you know, good question. You know, I actually did not require businesses to register um, for the webinar. So, you know, I think it will be well attended. But honestly, I don't know, like, how many folks may be on or not. Uh, my point is I want to get the information to whoever is on because, uh, you know, this is needed information. And, um, you know, I want to make sure that, uh, you know, the businesses in our community are aware of it. And it's not something that kind of goes under the radar until it's too late. Well, this was under the radar. This was definitely under the radar. If more businesses knew about this, there's a good chance some that went out would still be in business, mm -hmm. especially yeah. if they had employees. One of the things that's happening now is employee retention, period, retaining employees, getting employees to come back. And it's been widely discussed 
because people have left jobs for one reason or another, and they just are not going back. And everywhere you look, somebody's hiring for something. Why aren't people going back? So, and that doesn't have anything to do with the the employee retention credit. That has everything to do with individuals, just individuals. And somehow, I hope that there are Black businesses that will take advantage of this because it really seems like a way to get people whole again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're certainly in a different world post-COVID. So, yeah, people are making, um, you know, I think their people values have changed. So just talking about the labor shortage that you were talking about, you know, so, you know, maybe they, uh, you know, they, they realize maybe how valuable time is and are, are deciding maybe to spend it other ways. I, I don't know. But, yeah, we're certainly in a different place post-COVID yeah. than we were prior to it. Yeah, nobody expected any of this at all. Nobody. But whether they expected this or not, it's still here. It's still here. And people should have, I, I really believe that people should understand or should have understood that the federal government is not going to let the entire economy collapse. That's not going to happen. They are not going to do that. So there, there will always be something in place to rescue people. There will always be something in place to rescue people, short of a war. So with people doing things that were simply unconscionable, taking risks, getting money and spending it in ways that caused them undue harm that was unnecessary and that's you know we don't even need to talk about that but my thing is now how can we get people to understand that this money this $26,000 per employee is out there and people need to take advantage of it now there's a caveat to that and that is a lot of people in small businesses have employees but they're not 1040. They're not W-2 employees. Yeah, unfortunately, for this particular program, they would not be able to take advantage of it. But, um, you know. Um, Walmart can take advantage of it, but not not just uh, Joe Stowe down the street. They can't take advantage of it because they don't have those people with W-2s. Right. And right. Sometimes I think that the ask is so unrealistic for small businesses. I think sometimes it's it's unrealistic because small businesses just don't have the means to do the things that are necessary to do the things that are necessary. Yeah. Because it puts them one in at a disadvantage because they have to take capital and do the things that are necessary in order to do the things that are necessary. So it's a really a vicious kind of cycle. It's a cycle that nobody really understands how to mitigate 
this cycle. There is money out there that everybody should be able to, to get, to access. And they can't access it because they've got employees that are not W-2. Got 10, 10 employees here. They're not W-2. What? And the only way to get this money is that they have W-2s. Well, can, can the owner run and get some W-2s? Can they do that? No? <laughs> no I don't know um, how that would work. But yeah, unfortunately, you know, um, I'm sure there's some resources out there. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't know really off the top of my head, like, what they are, the, you know, the, the best, the, the other options out there, but... Um, How old does the W-2 have to be? Well, they would have had to have, they would have had to have those employees on their books um, in, in 2019 and in, 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 in make a, so we can compare that to 2020 and 2021. The only instance they wouldn't ha have had to have them on the books in 2019 is that they were a recovery startup, which means they started after February 15th in 2020. So we would expect to see W-2s dating back to, you know, that start date, you know, February 15th, 2020. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's not like they can run tonight and get some W-2s and issue them to all those employees and I got the W-2s. No. Nothing like that. <laughs> no, okay. unfortunately, no. Okay. Okay. Well, again, there has to be ways that people can participate in this program and get what they need. Mm -hmm. I really hope people are able to participate and get what they need because otherwise that's money sitting out there that people just can't take advantage of it and they need it. Right. right. Absolutely needed and and you did say that this is probably going to go into 25 yes uh it you're able to get access the funds for 2021 erc up until april 15th 2025 that would be the last date until 2025 okay That'll be the last date. So what comes after that? Um, I don't know. It's a good question. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> question. Um, you know, we, we still have a little bit of time before we get there. But after that, um, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, uh, uh, I'm not. There'll be another program that the government issues. There'll be yeah, another most likely, yes. There'll be another program. Now, what are you doing this until 25? And what happens after 25? Will you still be, or will someone say, we've got this program and you'll get the information and you'll do something different? Um, no, I'll be doing this uh, program until it, you know, until it, it runs out, until it ends. Um, you know, so I'm be, you know, connecting with businesses and, you know, letting them know how they can qualify, and um, yeah, so that that's not gonna that's not gonna stop. Um, you know, once the program 
sunsets and is this is no longer available, then um, you know there are other um, things that we'll be doing in SNAP Financial to bring value to businesses. Um, I can't really talk about what those things are right now because I'm not sure exactly what they're going to be, but um, there will be other other value adds that we'll be bringing to you know the business community. So is SNAP a Black-owned business? No, not really. It's, it's, uh, I'm an independent business owner, and I'm Black, but I am not the founder. So SNAP, the model of SNAP is, is almost like a franchise. Um, the only difference is with a franchise, typically um, when you buy into a franchise, is is after it's already an established brand, mm -hmm. so it costs you can cost you thousands or hundreds of thousands or you know even millions of dollars depending on the franchise. With Snap, it was founded uh, in Florida by um, two gentlemen in um, July of 2020, and they have opened up the opportunity for independent business owners to build the business in their respective markets. So I'm building the business here. I'm actually, um, you know, in Los Angeles, but, you know, I'm able to do business with anybody all over the country. Um, so it's, 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 it's kind of similar to a franchise model in terms of you're kind of buying into someone else's vision and kind of executing the game plan that they laid out. The difference is since I'm bought, since I bought in early, I'm building it from the ground up. There wasn't an investment of, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to get involved. So that's, that's not. Okay. So is there a direct impact to black businesses? And I guess the answer is no, because any business with employees that are W2 employees, any business can apply. So mm -hmm. there, there is no direct impact, no direct positive impact to black businesses. This is for any business. Yeah, this is for any business. Black businesses, um, you know, Hispanic. I mean, just, just any, any business that has W-2 employees. Right. Okay. And is there anything out there or anything coming that will impact black businesses? Well, I'm sure there is. Uh, I'm sure there is. I, I, I don't, you know, I don't have that information in front of me now, but I'm sure because as a demographic that is underrepresented in, in, in so many ways and, you know, different parts of this economy, um, you know, there's an interest in making sure that, you know, we are at the table and able to participate. So I'm sure that, uh, you know, there are some things, um, you know, available or, but I'm, I'm not privy to that right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I guess even though I know that whatever happens in 25, that's already on the books, but they will tell us that we don't know just yet. It's too soon to tell, but they don't wait until 25 to do it. It's already done. That's how the government works. They're looking at 25 right now. So as I said, I would love to see that there are ways that black businesses can participate in this without having to prove 
that they have anywhere from 100 to one W-2 employee. But they're not going to listen to me. <laughs> so this is something that, unfortunately, people are going to have a tough time. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be other, other you know, programs that, you know, um, those businesses, you know, black businesses with, with only 1099 contractors on the books that they will be able to take advantage of. But this particular program is designed specifically to essentially, you know, reward those businesses that kept W-2 employees on the books during the pandemic and either paid their salaries or provided health care coverage. So um, a business that did not have a W-2 employee, um, you know, if, if, you know, typically with a 1099 contractor, you know, they're paid when service is rendered or a job is done. So the likelihood that a 1099 contractor would be getting paid when there wasn't any work being done or any business being generated um, is, is, is probably why, is, you know, that, that is not likely. So that's probably why, you know, when a program was written, it wasn't, you know, 1099 contractors weren't included because, um, you know, businesses in all likelihood weren't compensating them, you know, when there wasn't any work being done or and that's not necessarily true. And I understand what you're saying, but that's not necessarily true either. Yeah, so I, I do understand that, but not necessarily true. Because remember, if someone is working on a 1099, if someone's working on commission, a commission could be paid from work that was done six months ago. Okay, so there are a number of, of ways and and uh, instances where it still applies because, you know, I still have to pay that person for what came in, I don't know, two months ago, three months ago, six months ago. So because it's not just you get it in and, and, and it goes out. So there are a number of, of um, different ways that things happen, number of different ways. Back, way back in the day, I had, uh, employees that were 1099 and we didn't always pay them right on the dot. So, but again, there's no way for these kinds of things to be mitigated. It doesn't apply to anybody that does not have W-2 employees. Right. So, that, so another discussion is for another day in time. Another day in time. And tomorrow when you have your webinar, uh, you're going to go through all of the information. So give your information for tomorrow. Give that out to the listeners now. Well, the web webinar is going to be uh, tomorrow at noon Pacific time. Um, there's going to be a, there's a Zoom link. Um, I don't know if there's maybe somewhere, if, if that can be posted on your website or something, I'm, I'm not sure, but there's a Zoom link that uh, if you click on it, it'll let you in. Um, you don't have to register anything. You just, you know, just kind of show up at 12 o'clock Pacific time. It's only gonna be uh, an hour. Uh, I'm not gonna keep you long. 
but I'm just going to go through the, uh, the program and talk about the different ways businesses can qualify. And uh, we'll leave a little bit of time at the end for any Q&A. Right. Well, I will. You did send to me a flyer, I believe. Right. And I will do my best to circulate that again. And it's been a pleasure. There's so much to learn and there's so much out there. And I would love to see good, strong Black businesses participate in all of this kind of funding. Because there's no question, capital is our biggest, biggest, biggest drawback, accessing capital. That's always been the case, always. And here it is, another instance where capital is out there, but can't get it. Can't get it. So I don't know what we can do about that. I just don't know. But I'd love to have that conversation because it's been this way for decades. And I don't mean one. I don't mean two. I mean six, seven, eight decades. Money is out there, but we can't access it. We've got people that work for us, but they're not W-2 employees for one reason or another. So that knocks us out of the game. Right. So... I'd love to hear more about that. And folks, again, you can get more information by going to give us your web website address or your email address. Um, my email is, it's, it's, it's kind of long, but it's, it's Wendell, W-E-N-D-E-L-L at SNAP, S-N-A-P, delivered, E-E-L-I-V-E-R-E-D N-L-A, just the letter N, L-A dot com. Okay, and you I'm can putting put it in the chat. Yes, I'm putting it in the chat right now. And while you're doing that, I'd like to announce one of our new hosts that's coming on, Rita Smith. And she's going to be joining the ITRN family very soon. Rita, while uh, Wendell has uh, completed his part, let's hear a little bit from you and let's tell the audience, the listening audience, what you're going to be talking about and what your show is going to focus on. And Wendell might be a guest on your show. Oh, yes. I am so excited about being the newest, one of the newest members of ITRN radio network. A little bit about me. I'm a military army veteran. I've worked in the television and film industry for over 25 years in Hollywood and New York and in everything in between. So I'm so excited for this opportunity. I've always wanted to do something like this. Um, I'm hearing feedback, but that's okay. But anyway, it's going, the name of my show is going to be Got Something to Say. And it's going to be the first and third Sundays. And I'm, I'm the time, Miss Colette, is it about four, four uh, Eastern time? Oh, I believe it. I have to check my, my material, but yeah, I believe it's four Eastern time, which is uh, three Central and one Pacific. Pacific, okay. Yeah. it's a little we'll, late than that. Yeah, but we'll, we'll make sure that we get it out there. Yes. Yes, and as so check for that in somewhere in January or February of 2023, we're going to be talking about 
everything as it pertains to our community. So that's mental health, mental wealth, sports, entertainment, hot topics, Black business, even being in the um, entertainment and media um uh, world. So I, these are all things that's near dear my heart, but th we're going to talk about so many different things. So you do not want to miss it. And I'm also going to do like a segment called Black Excellence. So we're going to highlight people from the past and the present that's done ma amazing and excellent, excellent things. So you guys don't want to miss that. So I'm excited. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And until the first show, everybody got blessed and have a fantastic day. Thank you, Rita. And thank you very much, Wendell. And again, Wendell Robinson at Snap Delivered NLA. Thank you very much, Wendell. I'm gonna do my best to uh, chime in tomorrow to hear more of this. I'm really interested in what you're doing. And also, as Rita just said, we, we're constantly talking about black businesses and how to elevate them. So. We will try to reach out and have you back to continue to talk about this and to dispel some myths and to mitigate some of the things that hold Black businesses back. So this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Rita, I will talk with you soon. Wendell, I'll try to see you tomorrow. Good luck. I hope a lot of people join you tomorrow and I hope a lot of people apply and get that money. Thank I you. Thank, Thank you, you for having much. me. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate what you're doing. And I appreciate the fact that you got your hands on some free money, but we got to figure out how to get it out there. There you go. All right. There you go. So thanks a lot. We will talk with you soon. And you have been listening to the Intentional Talk Radio Network. I am your host, Colette Williams. And this is a hump day. Conversations with Colette and Corliss. And we will see you tomorrow with Legacy home mortgage closing the gap with legacy we're continuing the legacy series so we will speak with you then have a good evening folks and yes it's still cold out there so crank up that heater turn down that water talk to you soon good night take care how men think about them they think men expect of them i don't think that that truly matters at the end of the day because the only thing that really matters is how you see yourself how you see yourself Thank you.